I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to HR Coffee Time. It's great to have you here. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career and executive coach with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. I've made HR Coffee Time especially for you to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR and people career without working yourself into the ground. I keep hearing from more and more people about how busy they are at the moment. I'm feeling busy too. I think it's something to do with the summer holidays coming up and everyone trying to cram as much as possible in before taking a break. So it seems like the perfect time to be talking about time management on the podcast again. One time management tip you'll probably have heard of before is don't reinvent the wheel. And I've decided to follow that advice for this episode because I was recently invited by Louisa Van Vessem to be a guest on her LinkedIn Live session to talk about time management. After recording it, I thought, hmm, it would be a good idea to cover time management on HR Coffee Time again. But instead of having to record a whole new episode, I asked Louisa if she'd mind me using our LinkedIn Live recording. Luckily, she said yes. So that's what you're about to hear. The LinkedIn Live was nearly an hour long, so I've cut it back quite a lot as most HR Coffee Time episodes are a lot shorter than that. But if you'd like to watch the original LinkedIn Live, I'll make sure I pop a link to it in the show notes for you. I've known Louisa for several years now. We met through LinkedIn and she has helped me run all sorts of workshops for Bright Sky Career Coaching. If you've ever attended any of our yearly HR planner workshops, you'll probably have met her. 
She is a strategic partner and mentor for business owners and professionals. She also runs an online community called Inclusion, which offers a fun and safe space for individuals to come together, celebrate who they really are and help them realise their potential. The community was inspired because of Louisa's own personal experiences with solo parenting, autism and chronic health issues and that's why she's so passionate about diversity and inclusion and called the community Inclusion. For our interview, Louisa asked ChatGPT for its top time management tips and then she asked me for my opinion on them all. It was a really fun way of approaching the topic and I hope you're going to enjoy listening to us chat about it. Today we are discussing time management and I know this is something that you have run workshops on or covered within your workshops as well. So for you, what approach do you take for time management for yourself? Is it something that you have to actively think about or is it just something that you just automatically do without realising it? If only it was something I automatically did without realising, Louisa. I live in complete awe of people who just seem to be naturally organised and fantastic at managing their time and they just make it look effortless. Sadly, I am the opposite of that, which is probably why I'm so interested in it, because it's something that I've always struggled with. So I've had to put lots of techniques and things in place to make sure that I do stay on top of everything and that I don't end up having to work crazy hours to frantically meet deadlines or anything. But you asked me, what do I actually do, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I, should answer, I should answer the whole question. Oh, gosh, I've got lots of strategies that I use. One that I've only started using in a very extreme way this year has that's had a huge impact on me in a positive way has been doing virtual co-working sessions. So I've been doing virtual co-working sessions for a while. And for anyone listening who hasn't ever heard of those before, all that really involves is you arrange to meet with at least one other person at a set time on a set day. And you shut down all your notifications. And then when you meet them, so that might be on Zoom or Teams or you know any sort of online platform, you start off by telling them what it is you want to focus on in that time you have scheduled with them. And then they tell you, and then you mute yourselves, but you leave your cameras on and you just sit there and you work on what you've agreed to work on. It sounds a bit weird if you've never tried it before, but for people who really need accountability or who find themselves easily distracted, it can be incredibly powerful. For me, I've realized that I need accountability. I'll let myself down on things, but I won't let other people down. So if I have someone there sitting in front of me on the screen saying, and I say to them, I am working on this, I will absolutely then just work on that. And I've made sure I've switched off my phone and any distractions and things like that. So I had been trying that out for a good couple of years anyway, but just sporadically, I didn't have a really regular session. And I made a switch recently oh, it's been a few months now, where I set up lots and lots of these co-working sessions with people that I knew and who I knew needed to work on similar things to me. So because I have my own business, I post on social media. So I post on LinkedIn and I also post in a Facebook group. And I just find it quite hard to be consistent with that. So I have one person, once a week we meet up and in that time, she does loads of social media posts. I do one. <laughs> I seem to be a lot slower than her. Then I have a newsletter I send out every week. I have a different 
co-working buddy who I meet who also needs to write a newsletter. So we meet once a week on a different day, do that. For the podcast, I have to do the podcast guest questions and editing and research and all sorts of things. I have a different person who I do co-working with for that. And it, it has honestly been life-changing, Louisa. I find that I'm not always on top of everything. Like there are some weeks I don't get a social media post out or I don't get the newsletter out. But overall, it's helped me be far more consistent with some of the jobs that I need to make sure I'm doing to keep the business yeah. ticking over. And co virtual co-working has become so popular now, hasn't it? Because I mean, I run virtual co-working sessions. I know that Freelance Magazine, they have ones Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings, I think that anyone can go along and join in. So if you wanted a bigger group kind of environment, then that's also an option. I know some people don't like to have their cameras on when they're co-working, but I I think it does, you gain so much momentum from those sessions because you know you're sat at your desk and you're going to tell each other at the end what you actually achieved. Sometimes I know that from my sessions I run, people go off and end up doing client work or these as an opportunity to focus on their business or to, in mine, I've had people like tidy up their office, for example, or do those jobs that they really put off doing, but they know they've got that dedicated time. And because, as you say, you get that accountability, it makes such a huge difference. Mm. So yeah, what it other, really does. What other strategies have you tried or do you continue to try? One thing that's been incredibly helpful, actually, is I used to be very nervous about handing control of my calendar over to a scheduling tool like Calendly. So I know that lots of people will have heard of Calendly. It is essentially a tool where you can create a link. So if someone said, Faye, could I have a 30 minute meeting with you? I could just send them the link and it will show them when I have availability in my diary. And then they can click on that link and book the time with me and it will populate their calendar as well. So for years, I resisted using it properly. I've tried all sorts of calendar tools out. So not just Calendly, I've tried out Acuity, I tried out Dubsado, and I could just never really get the hang of it. So I would use, for, for example, Acuity, I did use that for certain things, but not for everything. Yeah. And I think there were a couple of reasons I was scared of giving away <laughs> control of my calendar to technology. One was thinking, what if I've forgotten to put something in my calendar? Or actually, what if suddenly one day I've got to go and pick the kids up from school or something and, and someone gets booked in? Ah, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then the other thing was that actually some of the tools I tried out were not the most intuitive or they were a bit clunky. And so I just didn't feel fully confident in it. Well, I feel like I should be getting commission from Calendly, actually. This year, <laughs> I tried out Calendly because my calendar was just getting so packed and it was taking me so long to get people booked in. And at one point, I was paying a VA to actually just handle a lot of my calendar for me. I thought, right, come on, Faye. I know other people use Calendly and love it. I'll just give it a try. Oh, my gosh, it has just been amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it, I save so much time now in the not having to see the back and forth emails. Does this time work for you? Will that time work for you? I'll still do that very occasionally, but overall I can really rely on Calendly yeah. to be running my calendar for me because I've got all different parameters set up. So for example, if someone wants to talk to me about coming on the podcast, I've been able to set up a parameter. So Calendly knows to only book one of those chats a day so that my day doesn't start filling up with loads and loads of people wanting to talk about the podcast there is still space for other kinds of meetings as well 
I think time blocking works really well, which is essentially kind of what that is for different sessions. And yeah. it's something, it's an approach that I take, but I think when people hear the word time blocking, they think it's got to be really rigid, really structured. And so they tend to veer away from it. Whereas actually my approach is to kind of block that time out. So for example, I, most of the time I don't start work till 10. If I do, it's on my business stuff, but it's because I don't actually want to have client meetings because until after them, because although I've been awake for probably four or five hours, it gives me a chance to properly wake up mm -hmm. and in my own time. And I find it just makes a difference to my energy levels. But should I need to, and I'm struggling to maybe fit something else into the day, I know I've still got from say half eight till 10 and it's almost mm -hmm. acts as a buffer. And I'll do other things in my diary as well, where I just block it out. And I use Book Like a Boss, which is a very similar tool to Calendly and Acuity and all the others. So likewise, you know, you can structure it so that there are only X number of meetings in a day. And that just seems to really make a difference for me. Yeah, and I think that's such a good point about buffer time, actually. When I mentioned that I was too scared to hand over my calendar to one of the other scheduling tools at first, a lot of that was around it will sound silly, but maybe not to other working parents, the school pickups, yeah. because my husband and I juggle the, the pickups and he mainly does actually a lot of them for me. I, I do two a week and then he'll normally do the others, but occasionally he'll have an important meeting come up. And if that happens, I just feel awful having to ask a client if we can rearrange. So what I ended up doing is just putting in buffer time. So from like 3.15, which is when I have to leave the house to do the school run, to 4.30, Calendly has now just completely booked out my calendar. So it means no one can book in. So I haven't got that stress of worrying, yeah. oh my gosh. But also it's given me this incredible buffer time because it is quite rare that my husband doesn't end up doing the school run. So I suddenly found, oh, this is amazing. I've got an hour and a bit each day where I can do all those little things that can yeah. take up a lot of time, like catching up with emails or you know, checking through my notes or or doing little things that might have been building up that I'm, I've just been putting off. So I totally agree, like sort of having all these blocks of time can be incredibly helpful and buffer time that I've accidentally discovered buffer time by setting up that rule with Calendly, I think. <laughs> See, it's something that I used to do years and years ago when I worked as like a PAEA and I was managing diaries. So I would always be blocking time out in people's diaries, A, to make sure they take like a lunch break, but also like travel time as well. So if you know you've got a meeting somewhere else to kind of really allocate that time and also to allow time in your diary for if a meeting's like to overrun. So on my booking schedule, I can set it so that I know that there's additional buffer time added to each kind of session if I want mm. to do that so that if something is likely to overrun then at least I'm not like oh no I've got to dash from this meeting to this meeting to this meeting and it makes life so much easier have you ever tried the Pomodoro technique I don't know if I pronounced that correctly <laughs> no you have I think you've pronounced it properly a Pomodoro <laughs> technique yes I've tried that lots actually that's one I haven't used quite so much recently probably just where I've become obsessed with the virtual co-working <laughs> and that's helping me get everything done the Pomodoro technique I used to use a lot before the virtual co-working so for anyone who's not familiar with that the idea came from I think someone had a kitchen timer that yeah. was shaped like a tomato, tomato yeah and they would set it for I think it was 25 minutes and say right I'm just going to be totally focused for these 25 minutes until the timer goes off and then I can move on to other tasks so I did used to use that a lot and I also had my I've never told anyone this to read that I had this weird <laughs> made up system that worked for me so 
<laughs> instead of setting a timer, what I would do is write down just in my notebook the time I was starting to work on something. And it was to set it as like a little challenge for me to see how long I could carry on working for that one thing without getting distracted and wanting to like, you know, check an email or check WhatsApp <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or Facebook or something. So I would write down the time, but then even if I needed to just get a drink or go to the bathroom or something, I would write down the time I'd stopped, <laughs> go get the drink, come back, write down the time again. And I was just constantly trying to see how long a block I could actually do. I know it'll probably sound really weird. Just a, no, a no, little no, competition no. to myself. Write down the time and see how long I can go for. <laughs> But I think that some people use tools such as Toggle for that very reason. So Toggle is spelled T-O-G-G-L and it's a time management tracking system and they will kind of start it running so that they can kind of refer to it to see how long they've been working for, mm -hmm. how long tasks take them for as well. So if you are trying to block your time out or structure your day in such a way and you're kind of thinking, how long am I spending doing something? Or even to act as a wake up call to kind of realise you're spending, I don't know, two hours doing something when really that's because you're spending a lot of that time faffing around, looking at this, looking at your phone, notifications, whatever it might be. By using a tool, either by manually writing it down or using a system like Toggle, then it really acts as that wake up call to think, okay, I need to actually focus on that because something's got to give. And at the moment, I'm wasting however many hours a day just on trying to faff rather than actually be productive. Yeah, I agree. I hadn't thought of the fact that actually when I'm writing it down, I'm doing an old-fashioned version of Toggle, Louisa. <laughs> I have tried using Toggle before as well. I think that can be really good. And I've done something similar with coaching clients who have really felt overwhelmed by their calendars, which is saying to them, keep track of what it is that you're actually working on and how long you're working on each thing. Because as humans, especially humans like me who are terrible with time naturally, we have this amazing ability to underestimate how long things take. Mm -hmm. I know I call it being overly ambitious with time. I, I see it as kind of my curse, but in some <laughs> ways a strength because I end up getting lots done, but I yeah. can end up feeling a bit stressed trying to cram it all in. And yeah, by tracking your time using something like Toggle, it gives you a very accurate picture. So then you can actually start to be a bit more sensible <laughs> about things and realize, no, it's not going to take me five minutes to write up those notes or schedule that post. I need to make sure I'm giving myself more time for these things. I remember when I worked for a company and I was doing like the HR stuff with some of the younger members of the team, we would actually get them to write down how long tasks were taking because they were like struggling, you know, because it was like the first job from school or university and getting into that work mindset of how long and just, you know, just leisurely doing it, taking it in your stride rather than thinking you're actually being paid to work. And so we would actually get them to kind of track how long each task would take for say a week or a day or whatever it was they were working on just to kind of make them realize okay this is how long it's taking what and then you can almost look back and think what has your approach been to trying to complete this task mm -hmm. is there a more efficient way of working as well so t actually managing your time by checking it can really improve on efficiencies I think as well yes absolutely you just made me laugh <laughs> you said actually when you're going to work you're getting paid to do the work I can't remember what the exact phrase was but yeah you're taking me back to the beginning of my career now 
<laughs> I never use chat GPT, but it's come up in a couple of conversations yesterday and today. So I just want to type in and see what kind of examples it gave. And then I figured we could just kind of have a chat and see how that works for both of us. So the first one is set clear goals, start by defining your long-term and short-term goals, break them down into smaller actionable tasks to give yourself a clear roadmap. Now, that kind of works for time management, but it doesn't really, for me, that having a goal and thinking, right, I must start work now, that wouldn't have any impact. And then like what I'm working towards does, but I think you still need to have the strategies in place for how you're going to achieve your goals and what you're going to do when and how you're going to break that task down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that having the goal in the first place is really important Yeah, because otherwise you're at huge risk of being busy all the time and you get to the end of the year and you think, well, I've done loads of stuff, but I haven't actually made great strides or got to where I wanted to be. And I think taking out that time to actually do goal planning is incredibly important, especially for people who have their own businesses like, like you and I do, <laughs> Louisa. Otherwise, I think... For me particularly, I'm always in danger of just continually trying to improve what I have or getting excited about a new idea and just trying it rather yeah. than thinking, hang on a minute, Faye, <laughs> what, what's the overall aim? What are you working through here? You, it's too easy to get distracted by, I know some people call it shiny object syndrome, like exciting ideas for a new course or a workshop or, or, or a thing. So I think that long-term goal planning can be helpful for that, but you're right. Once you've got that plan, you could very easily ignore it or not make it detailed enough or not put it in your calendar. So you get to the end of the year and you've not done any of it. So that's that's where I guess all of these strategies we've been touching on can be really helpful. Absolutely. It's, it's knowing where your destination is, isn't it? So it's knowing where you want to actually get to. But then for me, once I've got my goals, I work backwards to kind of figure out, okay, what needs to happen when and where? And so that then starts to form in terms of my uh, I guess time management as to knowing those deadlines and what's important and when well and knowing you Louisa I think that's something you're really good at and something that I find trickier so I've had to start trying to come up with tools to help me do that really so I have got the HR planner which is all about setting your long-term goals and then breaking them down and I created this because I knew that having worked in HR before, how hard it is to stay on top of what's normally an incredibly busy workload. And if I find it hard, then I know other people will be finding it difficult as well. And so I created the HR planner a few years ago now, this is the third version of it. And each year I change it slightly. And one thing that I included this year, which I hadn't done before, is actually breaking down your goals into quarters. So thinking, because what I noticed was happening was people would get, which is great and definitely what I want. We all want to feel really excited about what we're working on. I'm really excited when I'd run, which you've helped me with as well, Louisa, the HR planner workshop. I'd run that and everyone would say, yep, I'm going to do this and this and this for the year. Woo, I can't wait to go and do it. And then they'll try and start everything at once. So that's why I put the quarterly planning page in, which is just saying, okay, they're all the things you want to achieve and work on. So just pop down in which quarters of the year you want to do them. Because the temptation is everyone just goes, right, January. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start on everything in January. But actually, you, you've got to space it out. So I think that can be, that's one tool that I found quite helpful as well. Actually really making myself think about trying to be a bit more long term 
with my planning, I can get very caught up in the moment and the excitement of a yeah. new idea without really thinking, hang on, Faye, you're already working on X, Y, Z. When are you actually going to be able to do that? So, but I think for people like Louisa, I think you're a more naturally organized person than me. So I think your very <laughs> logical, meticulous brain just clicks in and you probably wouldn't do what I do and what lots of other people do, which is get excited and cram everything into the beginning of the year. <laughs> Well, it might surprise you to hear that when I so if I'm thinking about all the stuff that I want to do, I mind map it. <laughs> um, so I mind map initially like the ideas and the thoughts that I've got. Then I kind of break it down into one mind map per idea. And then I look at and I think about the year and where that would kind of nicely feed into as well. And what would work with kind of, I don't know, for example, summer is a quiet, can often be a quieter month or, you know, Christmas time or what works. But it's also because I know that people struggle so much with breaking those goals down. Why yeah. I also run quarterly goal planning workshops as well and like half yearly mm -hmm. workshops, because I know it's something that people really struggle with. And also kind of knowing that this is what you want to achieve, but not knowing how or when to fit it in yeah. to the year can be really difficult because then it's so easy to get lost in either the detail or not the detail you know it seems to be one or the other as opposed to thinking okay how do we actually make this a reality rather than it just being a oh this seems like an amazing idea yes because as someone who does get excited about ideas it's very easy to skip over that important <laughs> planning bit and just go oh I'm just gonna get started with it <laughs> and just jump straight in without having thought through all of those steps at all, which makes life much harder in the long run. So I probably should do a lot more of the mind mapping that you do. I know that you're <laughs> really good at doing that. I'm a little bit obsessive. Do you know, I haven't done a mind map for a few days. So next from ChatGPT is prioritise tasks, determine which tasks are most important and urgent. Mm. Focus on high priority tasks that align with your goals and have a significant impact on your business. But I think something that people often struggle with again is knowing the order of which to prioritise. When you talked about the early careers people at your work, I think you've now switched my brain into thinking about my <laughs> early career. So in my very, very first HR role, I worked for Gap, the clothing company. And everybody who joined at that time, this is quite a long time ago now, nearly 25 years ago, oh my gosh. At that time, everyone who joined was put through time management training. We all went through the Franklin, I never know if it's Covey or Covey, Franklin Covey, Covey, Stephen Covey, Stephen Covey. Yeah, Covey, Covey. I think it might be Franklin Covey system. And I would say that was such a massive help for me learning that and it was all about prioritization and they made it really simple they just said okay look at your list and put things into a b and c categories so c is kind of nice to do got to get done at some point really not urgent at all yeah a is you have absolutely got to get this done today and b is it'd be quite good to get it done you're going to feel good about it and then you number it so you have a1 a2 a3 as many A's as you want. But what I found is if you get beyond five A's, you're being really unrealistic. So I learned that system when I was yeah 21 or 22. And I still use it now. It's been incredibly helpful. If I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or, oh my gosh, the to-do list is getting out of control, or actually the to-do list isn't even written down. It's on post-its everywhere or in my head and on the notes of my phone. I'll often think, right, 
come on Faye, sit down, write it all down and just do the A, Bs and Cs. And I just find that so valuable in bringing myself down, calming myself down and being able to get cracking and, and laser in again on what I should actually be working on and what is important and what I can let go. Yeah. Uh, because I think that can be a challenge again for a lot of people is feeling overwhelmed because they know how much stuff is on their list. But actually, if it's a C priority, you don't need to be worrying about that right now. It's okay, just write it down and then you can get to it later. So something I often say to people to do, again, it won't surprise you, is to mind map everything that's going on in their heads right now. Uh, because I think sometimes people get so caught up with lists and then what happens mm. is they move one list to the next day, to the next day, to the next day, and they keep adding stuff on to to it whereas when you think about like maybe what's the top three things that actually have to happen that day it really mm. makes a difference but also the reason that I sometimes suggest a mind map first is because I find that when it's in the list it automatically becomes structured and you focus mm. on that list in like an order or you kind of start moving things around to this place to that place in order of priority when you do it as a mind map, because it's just free flow, you can almost look through it and highlight, okay, actually, that's not an important for now. So that's for maybe in six months time to review then, okay, you could stick on a list or another mind map or on your phone or whatever works. But then you look at actually, what is the stuff you want to get done this week or today or something like that? Because all too often, I found that people literally go from one list to the next day, and it just is reoccurring, but very little actually comes off of that list. Mm, especially actually, senior managers yeah and oh sorry I think I breathed in my water I'd just drunk <laughs> we both know Jackie Jagger who's a coach as well and she taught me a few years ago the idea of having a to don't list which I think you might use as well Louisa <laughs> and I found that's been really helpful because you're right if everything is just on this one giant list you do feel like, oh, I'm, I'm just moving the list each day and just ticking off the tiniest things from it. And she taught me, well, actually, all, all those C tasks you're telling me about, Faye, or all those ideas that you would like to do, but it's just not realistic to do them now, just put them on a to-don't list, take them off <laughs> that main list and put yeah. them somewhere else. And it, it was really helpful, really effective. It's just about finding the strategies that work for you isn't isn't it I can definitely see how mind mapping could feel a bit less overwhelming I just think having somewhere to be able to capture your ideas and yeah. things you think you should be doing that's kind of the key the key crux of it whether it's a mind map or a list or a to don't list because where I find I can go wrong sometimes is I'll think oh Microsoft have got an app called to do I'm going to put everything in there and so I spend you know a few minutes or quite a few minutes populating it and then I, I just forget about it the next day and I don't use it and then I think oh Trello everyone says how good Trello is I'm going to put down my to-do list or all my ideas in Trello and then I'll half-heartedly do it and forget and then there'll be a new one and so I think sometimes the power of just pen and paper <laughs> is you've got it there and you know where it is but all of these tools, all of these ideas can be great. It's sort of picking the one that works for you and then sticking with it instead of trying it out, putting it down, totally forgetting about it. Absolutely. I think you have to explore the different methods because for me, I've never been a list person. Lists just stress me out because it feels too rigid, which sounds crazy because I am someone that is quite process driven and mm. will do things in certain ways. But I just never, ever, ever like lists because they just seem this 
never ending list. Um, and people, and I, I think it's possibly because I've known too many people that obsess over them. And for me, I'm like, I, I don't want that. I don't want it. So I think you have got to explore the different tools. And like someone recently asked me, like, what's the best method? What tool is the best method for, say, keeping track? So if they're working with somebody else, like a VA or whatever, how best to take that approach? And I was saying, like, you've got Asana, Trello, Notion, all these different tools. But actually, like a Google Sheets where you just literally write it down and keep it simple is often the best approach because you spend so long otherwise going on to, say, Trello and creating a new card mm-hmm. and doing this and then shifting it along to there. Whereas actually a simple spreadsheet can do the job just as well, depending on obviously what it's relating to. Yeah. But all too often I find that going back to your shiny object syndrome comment, there is so much of that and people then want to try it and kind of think, oh, is this for me? And then they half-heartedly do it because A, they don't have time, B, they're not really that interested in it, C, it's just not for them, but they feel like they should be doing it rather than it's actually going to have a good and positive impact on them. Eat that frog. Do you eat that frog? I try to. I don't always eat the frog successfully, <laughs> but I think that's probably one of the most useful time management things that there is to do your most dreaded task first thing. I think what I'm actually bad at doing with Eat That Frog is the home stuff. So I'll make sure I'm not dropping the ball on on anything with work. But if you were to come to the house at the moment, the bathroom's had a leak in it for, <laughs> oh gosh, actually after telling you this, I'm going to have to go away and call the plumber. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I don't get the leak fixed, the ceiling underneath it is going to collapse at some point. I just keep putting it off where it's a, a home task. So I'm good at eating that frog for the work stuff, but I, I sort of need to make sure I'm eating the frog for the home stuff too. So when I next speak to you, I don't have to tell you that the kitchen ceiling collapsed. <laughs> the next LinkedIn post, my kitchen collapsed. Yeah, I didn't eat that frog. <laughs> See, I, I guess I look at my week and how I structure it in terms of what I do and when. So with the stuff that I don't enjoy, I will do it. But then I kind of set myself a reward afterwards. So that reward might be that I go downstairs and I make a drink and I stand by the kettle for five minutes. Or it could be that I do a task that I really enjoy or I send a voice note to somebody or, you know, so it's it's not a reward like a financial reward or something like that. Mm. It's just something lighthearted. But it means that I know, okay, I've got all this done, tick, 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 now I can get on with the other stuff. And I know that when I do the stuff that I don't necessarily want to do or whatever else, I feel better for it. So I kind of try and tell myself, almost like a mindset thing, I guess, that I feel happy once it's done because I'm like, oh, that's all up to date now. Oh, that's really nice to hear that the rewards work for you because that's advice that I've read a lot about giving yourself little rewards as you go along. It just doesn't work for me. I think maybe I'm too undisciplined. I know, for example, I will just go down and stand at the kettle and make a cup of tea or get a biscuit out the cupboard, whether I've done the task or not. So (laughs) I haven't got enough self-discipline generally for the rewards to work, but I know that that is a really helpful strategy for some people. So it's good to hear that you're one of the people it works for. (laughs) It could be just because I get hyper focused. So when I'm in the zone, Mm. I'm literally in the zone. So, you know, I can have my phone in front of me, but actually I won't necessarily look at any notifications. I'm very, I don't know if it's an autistic trait or something, but I'm very strict with myself of when I know I need to get something done. That's it. If I don't have, if I don't feel in the 
in the right mindset for doing something it's just not going to happen and i will just procrastinate and i will let to do anything else than do the thing that actually i know is going to have a big impact but if my mindset just isn't there because i'm not in that right headspace i can't mm. force it so for me it's always quite interesting because if i want to do like a planning thing or a mind mapping exercise or something like that i have to be in that zone for it and i have to be in a focus and i can't force it where and then once i'm in the right mindset for it i can get loads done and i can come up with all these ideas yet with clients they just pop in my head and it's really frustrating <laughs> because that same approach doesn't work for me <laughs> so much about time management is knowing yourself and understanding yeah. what your personal blockers are and and just trying this stuff out and seeing what works for you so whereas clearly rewards work really well for you what works better for me is deadlines so if someone said to me Faye that kitchen ceiling's going to collapse on Monday if you don't get it fixed it would be fixed <laughs> I don't know what's wrong but apparently lots of people are like this thrive under the pressure of a deadline me so too I have to set myself deadlines all the time like I've just announced I'm going to be running a career planning workshop in a few weeks time by the fact that I've announced that date I've you know got all the ideas for the workshop and I've started sketching things out for it and everything I would just carry on working on that workshop here and there forever if I hadn't said to everybody okay this is the date it's happening that's what's going to force me to actually pull it all together completely now so it's kind of a combined thing a deadline but not a deadline that only I know about <laughs> it has to be a deadline that other people know about as well and then that will really help keep me on track and make sure that I do hit the targets and get the the really juicy good interesting rewarding stuff done whereas clearly you're much better at just being able to sell give myself a little reward and then it will be done <laughs> but I think that comes back to the accountability for you though doesn't it because by announcing it you've got that accountability I mean I sometimes post stuff or announce something even though it's not quite perfect but because I know I put it out there then it means I too have that accountability but I think it depends on what it is as to whether or not I need that accountability that makes sense. Oh, yes. And I only realised this need for accountability after I took Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies quiz. So for anyone watching or listening to this, I'd really recommend giving that quiz a try if you haven't heard of it before. I don't think you love the quiz as much as me, Louisa, from when we've talked about <laughs> it before. But maybe that's just because I ended up being a different profile for you and discovered <laughs> how important accountability is. <laughs> I think it just depends though, doesn't it? I think that I think that the way I work changes depending on what it is that I'm doing, where my head's at, what's going on in my life and stuff like that as to what's really going to make a difference. So sometimes it is having those deadlines, sometimes it's having that accountability, sometimes it's just me being able to just get in the zone and be focused mm -hmm. so, or blocking time out. So I will sometimes set or I used to do this a lot. I don't do it so much now. Set a lot of reminders in my calendar for do this, do this, do this, do this. And I still have some in there, but I set myself deadlines and put them into that because then I knew that it would happen because mm. I would see it in my calendar. So I think some of it is that over time, I've just got into those habits and those have stuck with me because it becomes that, again, I guess it's the autistic trait of the routine and being regimented in that certain way, which has made a big difference for me. I totally agree. So with my, in fact, it's so funny. One time my youngest son, he said this a couple of years ago, so he would have been quite little, 
someone said to me, oh, Faye, you're so organized. And he went, no, she's not. Mummy's phone just tells her what she has to do and then she does it. <laughs> it's really funny. I think he thought that like my phone was controlling my life because I use the calendar in it for everything. You know, everything gets books into that, which I think most of us do nowadays. Yeah. I know some people still prefer to use a paper calendar, but for I think probably the majority of people, we're all using <laughs> digital technology. And I think probably making that switch to having everything in my Outlook calendar has definitely, including reminders of what I should be working on, has definitely helped keep me on track. And I just really like the reassurance of being able to look down and see exactly what's happening. So I have all different color coded calendars. I've got a home calendar which has been brilliant because what used to happen is I would have, mum, what am I doing this weekend? Mum, what time are we going to this? Mum, when are we doing this? And so I set up a family calendar that I've hooked into our Alexa device at home. So all they have to do is look at the screen. So if <laughs> anyone says, what are we doing next week? I go, look on the calendar. It's on the calendar. <laughs> have a look there. And I can also see it on my phone so I can make sure there aren't any clashes with work and home and, and stuff like that. So but I'm sure that that probably isn't really a very enlightening tip. I'm sure lots of people are doing that already. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even occur to me uh, set something up for Alexa. But that's oh. a re I think that's a really good tip because, yeah, it, just having those reminders or being able to look at it could be really useful. It's been fantastic. So what would you say from people that you've spoken to? We, obviously, we've covered time blocking. We've talked about Pomodoro. We've talked about Eat the Frog and lots of different strategies what's the biggest frustration for people when it comes to time management that you've experienced uh, i'm going to answer you with an annoying answer now there's not just one <laughs> <laughs> obviously <laughs> i would say that well i kind of categorized it as four because i i did a whole podcast episode on this i've really ages ago actually and at that time when i recorded that episode time and the challenge of it had been coming up a lot for several clients and so when that happens you really do start to notice patterns and yeah. common blockers and what I realized kept coming up was four different things so the first challenge was people pleasing yeah so having all of these strategies in place people might say oh yes I, I do co-working and I arrange my calendar and I time block but the problem was that if someone said oh can you work on this for me that they'd feel terrible letting them down or they'd feel obligated or they'd yeah. want to help or they may not even have been asked to help with something but they'd see someone struggling and think well I know I can do that so I'll just tell them I can and that's what a huge problem is so it's got nothing to do with the tools or the methods it's actually how we feel and how we behave that can be the biggest challenge so that was the first one was people pleasing the Second one I've already mentioned is being overly ambitious with time. And that's where the time tracking that we talked about and using things like Toggle can be very helpful. And also doing things like planning out your ideal week, which is something I resisted for years because I was scared to do it. Because I thought, no, if I plan out my ideal week and say how long I need to spend on this, how many blocks in my calendar I need to allow for that it a feels incredibly boring doing that and like I've lost all spontaneity but b I was just too scared everything wouldn't fit in but I, I almost didn't want to face up to it and I've noticed it's not just me <laughs> lots of people are like this and you you just wish that time could stretch yeah. so you can fit all these great things in but actually time isn't elastic there is only a set amount of it 
The third one we've already talked about a lot is a need for accountability. So it was realising that actually people weren't getting stuff done and then they'd really beat themselves up about it. And that's why I like the Gretchen Rubin quiz so much, the four tendencies. And then the final thing that I noticed that people come up against when it comes to time, which has got nothing to do with time management techniques, it's all to do with behaviour, is finding it difficult to let go. So holding on to projects or work that they could be delegating to other people or working on something, polishing it and polishing it and polishing it until it's like as perfect as possible before letting it go. And of course, it just slows them down massively. And it means that they often end up working really long hours because they're not delegating or they're also it can be that sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy where you've been working on a project so long. <laughs> even though all the signs are there that it's not going to work out and actually you'd be better off focusing on something else. You don't do it because you've just put so much time into it. You, you can't bear to let it go. So that's a very long answer to your question of what is the main challenge. <laughs> See, I would also add, which feeds into what you've just said, boundaries and perfectionism as well. Because boundaries are the want to, even if it's not because someone else has asked you to do something, but within yeah. yourself and it lends itself to perfectionism as well of always thinking no well actually no I could just do this I could just do this I could just do this and it means that what you were initially planned to do has completely changed in terms of the scope of the work and so you end up spending so much more time on it or deliberating over it and thinking no this, this isn't good enough this isn't good enough but actually with perfectionism it's that's your decision on what's perfect to you because what's perfect mm -hmm. to me would be completely different for you. And I think that also has a huge impact on time management because the boundaries and perfectionism just can completely take over some people. I know as a perfectionist at heart, mm -hmm. but over the years, I've kind of learned to kind of kick that away, mostly. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're, again, right again, Louisa. <laughs> And my friend, a friend I've had for years and years and years called Emma, gave me a really good piece of advice around this because I actually completely burnt out when I was in my former career and had to have some time off of work to get better. And I remember talking to her about it. And she said, Faye, you're going for this gold standard all the time and it's not mm. sustainable. It's working against you. You've got to start thinking gold, silver, bronze. And I said, what do you mean? Now she was incredibly successful in her career. I had just been walking around <laughs> assuming that everyone is desperately trying to make sure everything is like so perfect, like no one could find a chink of fault in it. And it was only from her talking to me that I realized that's not true. And so she said, a lot of the time, bronze is good enough. She said, you've got to somehow shift your mindset so you can think, okay, well, if it wasn't completely perfect, what would it look like at a silver level? And actually, if it was just good enough to be okay, what would it look like at a bronze level? I say I'm still pretty rubbish at the bronze level, but it's really helped having had her talk to me about that. I really like that. I think that's a really kind of good perspective to look at it as. That brings us to the end of the episode. If time management is something you'd like to dive into even more deeply, I have covered it on the podcast before. There's episode seven, what to do when you don't have enough hours in the day, and episode 45, six ways to stop procrastinating and find time for important projects at work. 
And of course, you can always use your trusty HR planner to help you get on top of your goals and plans for your work and career. I'll pop a link to the free PDF version of it in the show notes for you in case you haven't already got one. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please can I ask you for a small favour? I'd be hugely grateful if you could do two things for me. Firstly, if you could share the podcast with a friend who you think will find it interesting and useful, that would be brilliant. And secondly, if you could rate and review HR Coffee Time for me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be wonderful. It makes such a difference in helping the show get discovered by more people and I would love to help as many HR and people professionals as possible with this free podcast. Thank you so much and I look forward to being back again next Friday with the next episode.